0: Welcome to the show. This is episode number 21 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about The Dark Knight on your Want to Know How I Got These Scars podcast. I'm Matthew Vose.
1: And I'm Mandy Kay. And this is a movie that I think a lot of people are surprised that I haven't seen. I had seen Batman Begins, and so, you guys, the reason I never watched this is actually kind of a really emotional and hard one for me, because... It's because Heath Ledger died, honestly, and Heath Ledger was the first celebrity death that ever affected me, personally. I know that sounds weird, because I didn't know Heath Ledger personally, but Heath Ledger was a celebrity that just like meant a lot to me. I, I loved his movies, and, and he was kind of like a peer, and so when he died, it was just a really big deal, and it absolutely broke my heart. He was the first celebrity death where I actually cried that oh. that person had died. And, and so when this movie came out, of course I wanted to see it because he was in it, but I just wasn't ready to see it. Um, I needed kind of to take some time, and then I just never did. Um, I wanted to, but other stuff kept coming up, and it just never really happened, and that's why I never watched it. And I know that's kind of sad, and, like, sad, <laughs> but it is what it is.
0: Yeah it it was significant news at the time. Uh, he was obviously a young actor but a proper working actor. He had three movies in production at the time. He'd completed the filming on this, hadn't finished The Imaginarium of Doctor Parnassus.
1: <laughs> yeah. So
0: he was he was becoming quite prolific. And obviously that was cut short.
1: Yeah, and it's just it really it really made me sad and and so I just I wasn't ready to see him on screen when this came out.
0: Did you feel ready going into this? Is it now enough time has passed? or?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, I wasn't sure when I started watching it. Um, I was actually tweeting about it and, you know, it's like it's been nine years. Is that right? It's nine years, right? Yeah. So, th- I mean, it has to be plenty of time, right? You know, that's kind of what I was thinking as I went into it. And um, I, I'm really glad I watched it. Good.
0: So we've got a lot of conversation to have about this. But first, let's do a bit of production info. The Dark Knight was released in 2008. It is the sequel to Batman Begins, both of which were directed by Christopher Nolan and featured Christian Bale as the world's greatest detective and playboy billionaire. This is the first time an actor had returned to the role in a Batman movie since Michael Keaton in 1992's Batman Returns. Teased at the end of Batman Begins, this film sees the return of Batman's most famous villain, the Joker. Heath Ledger plays the Joker, Uh, a casting note that inspired much furore from the fan community. It is now considered one of the great character performances and this is the go-to defence for unexpected casting and how people can transform a role into something uh, fabulous. Heath Ledger, as we say, passed away in January of 2008, having completed his filming on The Dark Knight, but before the film had been released. He posthumously won the award for Best Supporting Actor at the Academy Awards uh, the following year. The Dark Knight was nominated for eight Academy Awards in total, covering almost all of the major technical categories sound editing, sound mixing, art direction, cinematography, makeup, film editing, and visual effects. It won the Best Sound Editing uh, along with the Best Supporting Actor for Heath Ledger. 2008, and this film marks something of a transition for the superhero genre. The Dark Knight is one of the best rated superhero films ever made. It's the first one to win an Oscar for, uh, inverted commas, major category. One of the acting, best picture, best screenplay type categories. It's also, it was considered to have been snubbed that it wasn't even nominated for best picture. And the fact that following ceremonies, they actually expanded it to 10 films from five. This is one of the reasons they think they did it, because there just isn't space for all the good films coming out. 2008 saw more US superhero movies than any other year before or since. I think this year and next year could possibly beat it if there's one or two more announced. But 2008, was a there was a lot coming out. There was the sequel to Hellboy, the sequel to The Punisher, Frank Miller's The Spirit, the Will Smith-helmed Hancock, a Naked Gun-esque spoof called superhero movies. None of those delivered commercial success, and arguably... This looked like a genre that was beginning to fade away. People were cashing in and making slightly different (laughs) original things. Usually you see a decline at that point when you start getting a spoof of fantasy films or something. You know, there's uh, a change coming. 2008 also saw the release of two other superhero films, The Incredible Hulk and Iron Man. These started the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Since then, there have been 15 films in that series, and there are five more slated to be released by the end of 2018. So... Ten years on, superhero films have taken over the world.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is, it, it's really strange to think that there were more films released that year, but I, I don't think of that decade as being you know, the, the decade of superheroes very much since it's become an even bigger industry.
1: Yeah, mm. absolutely. So this is the point where we tell you what the movie is about in case you actually haven't seen it when you're listening to this podcast. And... My synopsis is probably going to be a little different than what you would expect. To me, The Dark Knight is a movie that answers the question, is Batman really the hero that we need or deserve?
0: Oh, nice, cuz that's a line from the film. Sort of. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean, that 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 is exactly what it is. Um, yes. you know, because we've got the the question and the comparison of Batman and Harvey Dent and should Batman, you know, really stand up or should he fade and, and, you know, just take the criticism and and take the blame and take the fall for everything. And, and it's just, it's, it's kind of deep in some levels, but, um, it's, it's not your typical superhero movie. It's not just about the fighting and the villains and saving the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, certainly superhero films, since, uh, don't do too much of this moralizing, in-depth discussion. They're all about Great. the punching and the visual effects.
1: <laughs> Not all about the punching, but there's a lot of punching. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we'll we'll revisit that when you've seen um, Batman and Superman and Man of Steel.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but no, certainly some of the, the more recent Marvel films, I think, have done it really well. Doctor Strange, Guardians. Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
1: Uh, So, Matthew, I already know how you watched this film. I'm pretty sure everybody (laughs) listening already knows how you watched this film. But why don't you go ahead and tell us, how did you watch The Dark Knight?
0: We can sing the song of my movie collection. I own this on (laughs) Blu-ray, so I watched that. I actually have the Christopher Nolan box set, Uh, so it's part of that, nestled in between the prestige and Inception, I think.
1: Okay. Mm.
0: Mandy, how did you watch this film?
1: You guys need to be prepared to be shocked. I actually own the Blu-ray of this movie. (laughs) How long have you owned it for? Oh my gosh, I've owned it for more than five years, definitely. I'm pretty sure I bought it not long after it came out. I bought um, both Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. I don't own The Dark Knight Rises, and so I don't think that one had come out yet when I bought it or I would have right. bought all three so I I've had this movie on my shelf for a really long time and I didn't watch it until last week <laughs> have but you, this is what I actually own
0: <laughs> have you watched the Batman uh Batman Begins in the interim or just haven't touched either of them
1: no I I did watch Batman Begins when I bought it okay uh, I just couldn't bring myself to watch the Dark Knight Fair.
0: okay so so you finally watched it what were your expectations for this film
1: I really thought I was going to like it. I, I re rewatched Batman Begins, obviously, because mm. it had been so long since I saw it. And so um, I watched Batman Begins one night, and then the next night I watched The Dark Knight, and I was expecting them to be very similar. And I thought this was just going to be more origin story type things. I don't know why. We'd already gotten the origin story, so I don't, I don't really know where that thought came from. Mm. But Yeah. I just thought it was going to be more why Batman is Batman and Batman doing what Batman does.
0: <laughs> Batmaning all over the place. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's your experience with the other films from Christopher Nolan, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger?
1: Christopher Nolan, I was actually surprised when I looked at his filmography that I had seen several of the movies that he's on. I mean, his his uh, filmography is fairly small. Mm. But I had actually seen Memento. I saw that years ago. Okay. Obviously, I've seen Batman Begins. The Prestige is a fabulous movie, and I had no mm-hmm. idea Christopher Nolan had done that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. I had no idea. Um, I, I think at the time I watched The Prestige, Christopher Nolan was not a household name for me. He yeah. is now, obviously, but at the time, I still wasn't really doing this whole like superhero, dark, Batman-y <laughs> thing. So I didn't know who he was. Okay. Um, And then I have seen Inception, which was fantastic, Mm. and I have seen Interstellar, which was weird but also fantastic.
0: (laughs) Yes, really good. And then there's metaphysical stuff. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Um, so, So you know Christopher Nolan, not as much, although it's weird. I've seen more Christopher Nolan stuff than I've seen Christian Bale stuff. <laughs> Christian Bale, um, Newsies, and Batman, and The Prestige. And that's about it. Oh. Yeah. I'm that's looking at this like list. Yeah, I haven't seen any of their stuff.
0: Not, not hugely prolific, but he has done a, a good amount of stuff.
1: Oh, wait. No, I did see American Hustle. I just hated it, so I kind of block it out of my mind. Okay. <laughs> and then Heath Ledger. Heath Fledger walked into my heart when I was in high school and he starred in 10 Things I Hate About You. Because mm. when he smiles in that movie, there's just no way he <laughs> cannot enter your heart and just stay there forever and ever. And then he was in The Patriot and he, spoilers for a, you know, almost 20 year old movie. He died in The Patriot, which is very, very sad. A Knight's Tale, which was amazing. And then apparently I went on a Heath Ledger break and didn't see anything else until Brokeback Mountain, but that was also fantastic, and I also cried. So Heath Ledger was just so instrumental, I think, in like my high school movie viewing that mm. it just – he stayed with me Yeah, is really what it is. And I understand how creepy and stalkerish I sound talking about him, but I was impressionable, and <laughs> I loved him.
0: And he's very and... pretty, and he's very charming. Very pretty. And he sings that song on the bleachers.
1: Yes. Yeah, great moment. You're just too good to be true.
0: <laughs>
1: I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've watched that clip on YouTube more times than I should probably admit. Because so. <laughs> he, he just smiles and it's wonderful. and.
0: He is in a film called I'm Not There. Um, I think I've mentioned before, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan. And it's a fictional biopic of Bob Dylan, but it's got I think six different people playing him at different stages of his life, including Heath Ledger and Christian Bale uh, and Richard Gere and Kate Blanchard. It is an incredible film. That's that's one that I think we might actually put on the list at some point.
1: Okay, mm. I'd be down for that.
0: And and of all of them, Kate Blanchard is probably the best Bob Dylan, which doesn't <laughs> surprise don't... me because she's a fantastic actress. But
1: <laughs> yeah, I honestly don't know anything about Bob Dylan, so. Uh-huh. Um, he he won the, the Nobel Prize this year for poetry, right? Yeah. <laughs> that That's pretty much all I know about Bob Dylan. Okay. I could not name a single Bob Dylan song if, oh, if my life depended on he's it.
0: only done one or two. So, <laughs> you know. I bet you could. And this is the thing. he He's most famous for songs that then people have covered and done amazing versions of all along the watchtower, knocking on heaven's door, and so okay. on. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs>
0: And we've covered Batman once before on the podcast. Um mm-hmm. but but in his seventy-five, eighty years of existence, Batman has been in a lot of different media. What's your experience of Batman as a, a character?
1: Batman returns. Okay. That's it. Batman Returns and then we did the comic book uh a month or so ago. And that that's that's it. Okay. You know, I mean, I've kind of absorbed things, you know, like in, in one of the shows, I don't even know which one, you know, it's it's kind of a trope or a catchphrase or whatever to say, holy something, Batman. Mm-hmm. I don't know where that came from. I think Robin said it a lot in, like, one of the way early shows, but I really have no idea. But I say that all the time. <laughs> like, holy rain, Batman, or holy <laughs> whatever, Batman. You know, I, I just, I do. But that's just a thing that, for me, is completely independent of everything the actual character of Batman. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. I mean, I understand that it makes no sense at all, but this is what yeah. we're talking about. No, so. no.
0: And it's, it's a good thing to bring to this film, I think, because it's a very different take on the character. He wanted to make a very different film. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who watch this and go, yeah, but it, it's not Batman or it's doing, it's not doing the story as well as it was done over here. This is a yeah. thing unto itself. And it's really nice to judge it on those terms rather than your expectations of, you know, the times it was buttoned done better as I say over the 70 years previous
1: right um, so I, I think I had the advantage on this because mm. honestly yeah Batman returns I I love mm. but mostly I love it because of Michelle Pfeiffer
0: yes absolutely
1: <laughs> <laughs> don't really remember much about Michael Keaton's Batman okay honestly I just remember Michelle Pfeiffer falling out of a window and cats and starting to eat her and then she wakes up and puts on that <laughs> fabulous leather rubber latex (laughs) suit thing and i just i wanted to be her so badly and she was great so yeah i apparently really liked catwoman as a kid
0: that is it is a great film um and she is absolutely the thing that draws me to it Uh, everyone else is really good and it's it's wonderfully shot and it's one that pops up with all these great shots all the time but yeah she makes it absolutely so moving on we need to talk about the film we're talking about mandy did you enjoy the dark Knight?
1: I did. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think Batman Begins was absolutely a better movie than this one. But this was by no means a bad movie.
0: Yeah. Yes, Batman Begins is a a very solid film. It doesn't outstay its welcome. It does a lot of very good things with the character, with the story, with integrating stuff to it. This tries to go a lot, lot deeper with some of the philosophy it's doing.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Part of me started thinking that maybe i just really like origin stories the best Mm. but i don't actually think that's true because when i look at the mcu my favorite movies in the mcu apart from captain america and his origin story are not the origin stories you know it's it's the avengers and the age of ultron and Mm. and things like that it's it's when you get the community and the world building and not the origin story so i don't know I don't know what it was with, with this one, why I like the origin story so much better, but I did.
0: Yeah, Batman Begins does it really nicely uh, as an origin story and an interesting story of him going back and existing in his world. So there's lots yeah. of talking points to this. Uh, it's quite interesting when you mention this film to other people or you talk about The Dark Knight in any general terms, a lot of the conversation is about comparison. How does this compare to other Batman films? How does Heath Ledger compare to Jack Nicholson or Mark Hamill or the other great Joker performances that are out there? there? There is stuff to discuss that we're going to get into, but I think we're going to try and stay away from some of that, particularly because you haven't seen them.
1: Right. So no I, I have no basis of comparison. <laughs> so <laughs> we don't really have to do that unless you have opinions on it.
0: Nope. I'm, I'm, I, I like watching a film on its own. Uh, there are film critics out there and people who who have wonderful insights to films but they don't judge a film on its own terms they look at the experience of going to the cinema as okay now show me 2001 every time i see a film i want to see the greatest piece of work ever and sometimes you go to the cinema and you're watching a fast and furious film (laughs) sometimes you're watching a a more intellectual deeper philosophical documentary so you should judge it on the terms of what you're being presented is my take on these things I agree. Good. Thank you. The one thing that you, I think, can compare it to, uh, outside of the film that just came before this, is Batman Year One, having read that, your first comic, this year. Uh, Did reading it help to inform or change your viewing of both this and Batman Begins?
1: It didn't. Honestly, when I was watching this, I didn't even think about Batman Year One. Mm. Um, They were kind of two independent things, but okay. going back and and thinking about it um and and doing you know that bit of comparison that we just said we weren't going to do um I've, i find that i i think uh tonally they're the same they're both very dark very gritty mm. and the the guy who played jim gordon in in the movie looks just like the guy in batman year one yes <laughs> but other than that um they i mean they didn't have the the same story, the same plot. It was... Overall, yes, it was the same because it was Batman's origin story. But the actual origin story was different, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, the way that he went away and trained and and was in prison and, and then Ra's al Ghul and all that stuff wasn't in the comic book. And I really, really liked it in the movie. Yeah, And I... I'm I'm glad I've experienced both of them because they're – one of my hesitations for reading comic books and, and the way that I talked about that in the Batman year one episode mm. is just that I am kind of a completionist. I like <laughs> being in a single world and staying in that single world. And with comic books, you don't do that because you've got different writers who do different takes and they reboot these characters every decade or so. Mm. And so it's just overwhelming and crazy. But doing these two things that are completely independent of each other, essentially, you know, two different stories, but they still have similar elements, it kind of helps me be less intimidated by the idea of having the same character be portrayed in different ways, if that makes sense. And so it actually makes me feel like I really do want to go read some more Batman stories to see how other people tell his story. Yeah. Which I think is cool.
0: Yes, the stories are all wildly different, but it's almost like sometimes seeing a, a different performance of a Shakespeare novel you know very well. Okay, what what are they going to bring to it? What's the interpretation here? Right. Hmm. Batman is Shakespeare.
1: <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I'm I'm very much like you. I enjoy complete complete stories when it comes to the comics. I've never been one to buy week after week after not week, month after month after month. Um, the same comic and, and keep reading the story I prefer when it's collected into a volume and I go away and I read The Court of Owls or The Long Halloween or The Killing Joke Here is a complete story and I can enjoy that and read that and go yes that's good I will then put it back on my shelf
1: <laughs> right mm. I, um, I guess we keep saying that Batman Year One was my very first comic book but the Truth is, it's my very first superhero comic book. Mm. I have read the Buffy comics, the the ongoing canonical comics that yeah. started after the show. And so they're called you know Season 8, Season 9, Season 10. I think they're in Season mm-hmm. 11 now. And with Season 8, I did buy them individually every month. Right. Because I really, I was so excited about this thing that was happening. <laughs> and so I just, I had to know what was going on at the time. But I stopped after Season 8 because I got lazy and they were expensive and and all Mm -hmm. that good stuff. And so now I wait because I discovered these wonderful things called library editions. Yep. And there are these giant, hardback, beautifully bound books with amazing art and they're nice. just wonderful. And so now I wait until the entire run is done and they've released the entire thing in these two volumes and then I go by those two volumes and that's when I sit down and read the story. Cool. Or they sit on my shelf until I decide to read them.
0: <laughs> Five, six years later. So
1: Yeah, so I, I totally get what you're talking about because I, I'm the same way. I Even reading books, sometimes I wait until the whole series has been released before I start reading the books so that I know... I don't have to wait to find out what happens next. I can mm. just read the story. And yeah, so I nice. I get it. Kind of forgot where yeah. I was going with that, but okay.
0: <laughs> okay, so you mentioned that uh, the story was, I think, a bit different than what you are expecting from a, a superhero movie. I want to dive into that because the, the story is so compact and, and like I said, the philosophy of it is so compact. There's a lot going on. Uh, what are your feelings on the... Uh, the sort of moral situations of the Joker and and him trying to push everyone to have one really bad day?
1: I have a lot of feelings about the story. Okay. And a lot of feelings about the execution of the story, I think. Oh, really? Okay. I think the idea behind it is a really, really good one. I Mm -mm. think that the Joker is absolutely right. And the idea, and I, I think it's even... Maybe Harvey Dent who says this. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I think that's a great line, and I think mm-hmm. it's absolutely true. I just don't think they did a very good job of fleshing that out in this story.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, yes, because it's almost you expect that to happen the other way around. It's Batman who will die and live on as a martyr to justice. And it's Dent who will be brought down, but by the end it's actually reversed and and Dent is killed through his own descent. And it's Batman who then takes the cop and ends up as uh, as the villain.
1: Well, I don't mind that part, actually, because one, it subverts your expectations, which always makes Mm. for a good plot element. And two, by doing that, it actually does make Batman... The hero. It's just nobody knows he's the hero. Yeah. And, and so I really like that. I think the problem with this movie is that it has too many villains and it doesn't know what story it's actually trying to tell. It's trying to tell too much at one time. And that frustrated me a little bit. I feel like this movie should have stopped when Rachel died. When Rachel died and Harvey Dent ended up in the hospital this movie should have stopped. This movie should have been the Joker is the villain, full stop. No other villain in this movie. Yeah. Just the Joker. And we're dealing with him affecting the city and, you know, all of these things that he's... I mean, he's created chaos. And and that's exactly what he's trying to do. Mm. And so it should have stopped. I mean, he didn't have to be caught or anything. Great, fine, whatever. But the movie, to me, made a mistake by kind of closing the Joker's story and then rushing through Harvey Dent's story. And if we had shaved off the last half an hour of this movie, mm-hmm. we would have had more time in the middle for us to actually get to know Harvey Dent because the movie is trying to tell us that Harvey Dent is this angel, golden boy. He's the hero that should be the face of Gotham City that's really trying to save the city. And then he has that one bad day because of the Joker, and that's what pushes him to become a villain. Mm. But they don't show us that. They tell us that. And so it's not impactful. It's not compelling. And I don't really believe it, because I can't relate to Harvey Dent as a hero, because I haven't experienced him as a hero. All he did was arrest a whole bunch of people, and then we get to hear Rachel and Bruce talking about how great he is. Yeah. And so if they had ended this story early, we would have had more time to get to know Harvey. And then the next movie could have been about Harvey's journey to villainy. But that's just my opinion.
0: No, I completely agree with you. The, the sequence ending with the Joker upside down. What did you
1: do? I took Gotham's white knight, and I brought him down to our
0: level wasn't hard. See, madness, as you know, is like gravity. All it takes is a little push. <laughs> 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 That's the ending of the film. And, and there right. can be a coda there. There can be Bruce going back and, and brooding over the death of Rachel. You can have... Uh, Two-Face sitting in the dark, flipping a coin or or thinking or just looking menacing or something. But to then try and layer in this... I'm not sure quite how to describe it. Just the strangeness of him going after the family of James Gordon. And then suddenly James Gordon has a son, which is a slightly strange twist. And he flips the coin and shoots Batman, which is a bit weird. And then he turns it on himself. And that could be a pivotal moment of he flips the coin on himself. But the coin-tossing shtick by that point has become a bit almost worn out. I don't care. I don't even feel like he's necessarily going to obey it, having almost broken the right. rules with Maroney's uh, driver.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because the
0: driver's got nothing to do with it.
1: Yeah. I I feel like they had already decided on what the plot of the third movie was going to be, which was... and I Okay, I don't actually know this. I'm basing this on the title. I haven't seen the third okay. one. But since this movie ends with Batman basically going into hiding and going away and not being the hero for the city because he's taking the fall. Mm -hmm. The third one is called The Dark Knight Rises, so he must come back. (laughs) And so if, if I feel like they made this movie fit that idea because they needed it to end with him taking the fall for Harvey's death in order for there to be a third movie where he has to come back. And I just don't think it was done very well. I could yeah. be completely off base because I haven't seen the third movie, but that's what. Yeah, it seems I'm like I'm to
0: sticking me. with my hashtag no comment on the <laughs> on the third film. But yeah, you're very right. There's actually there's more to this. I think that they are making a complete film. They're not making a trilogy. It's we've made the first one. Now we're going to make the second one, and we're not going to leave it. A normal film like this would leave it open for the third film to continue on from it. That's the normal way trilogies are developed. This doesn't do that. It, it wants to tell a complete film, and then the next one can pick up the story wherever, wherever it picks up.
1: So you don't think they were trying to force it into this hole where they needed it to be in order for the third movie to pick up where they wanted it to?
0: Uh, it's probably a bit of column A and a bit of column B. <laughs> okay. If if there hadn't been a third film, this is an interesting ending. If there is a third film, it leaves you with a lot of uh, you know narrative options that you can go with from here on out.
1: Yeah. If they had ended it before Harvey died, then the third movie would have been the story of Harvey Dent and not yeah the other villain, Bane. I, I know the villain's name in the third one. I don't know who he is. Tom Hardy plays him. That's all I got. He
0: does? Yep.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so... Okay. More, more it, it would have been a completely different American movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I... I the point is, I think, that I'm trying to make is just that I'm not sold on the narrative plot of this film. Yeah. That's where I am. It, it wasn't a bad movie. It's just I think it could have been better mm-hmm. and less rushed. There was so much in this movie that mm. you know they, they could have done a few things differently, I think.
0: Yeah, you point on there are a lot of villains. When you incorporate the uh, mob story as well, Mm -hmm. which I I absolutely get the point of that and that's a really nice way to do it of the Joker not increasing in power but using them and their assets and and as a a way into this world. But you could have toned down some of that story and some of the stuff about Batman and Gary Oldman going after them. When they made Batman Begins, Christopher Nolan said that uh, humanity and realism were what he wanted from the film. The world of Batman is that of grounded reality, recognisable contemporary reality against which an extraordinary heroic figure arises so he wants this to feel grounded it's not a world of uh too many gadgets and aliens falling from the sky and the 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 big mystical elements of some of these stories he wants to do it about very ordinary humans being a bit crap
1: (laughs) yeah well i can agree with that except for the gadgets part (laughs) I mean Bruce Wayne has a lot of gadgets,
0: yeah, it comes out even more in this film and part of that is they wanted to do more of the world's greatest detective stuff because that's what that's for me one of the best bits about Batman is he is solving mysteries and uncovering the stories as he goes along and they tried to incorporate it in this, but taking fingerprints from a shattered bullet out of brig by testing other bullets in brig <laughs> it's a little step too far for me
1: i Okay, so this is slightly off-topic from, mm. from where we were just talking, but this has popped into my brain now, so we're going to talk about it. Um, I actually had a little bit of a problem with some of the technology mm. in this movie, specifically Bruce's ability to create technology Yeah, in this movie. Lucius Fox, amazing, smart, I had no problem at all believing that he created or repurposed that sonar cell phone technology that he used in Hong Kong on a single Mm. cell phone. That was fine, wonderful, great. Randomly, you know, when we need it, Bruce Wayne apparently becomes super, super, super smart and can take that (laughs) technology and turn it into this bigger technology that impacts every cell phone in Gotham City so that he can see what's going on to find the Joker. And I'm sorry, I just have a problem with that. He should not have been able to do that. He does not have the education to do that. He does not have the I, I don't know I don't even know what word I'm looking for here, but that I could not suspend my disbelief for that. Like great He can be Batman, and he can Batman up and down buildings, and he can use this electronically charged fabric to fly. But I just don't believe that he could have done that with the technology, because one, that's not how technology works, and two, he just should not have been able to do that.
0: They do set that up uh, when the accountant who's looking into the numbers, when he goes to try and blackmail uh, Lucius about it. Uh, he says, now you're burning through millions on some secret telecommunications project for the government. So that they have a line in there setting up that there's a thing going on. And that's what he then goes and asks him about. And he says, oh, I'm playing it close to my chest.
1: Okay.
0: But like but you still. say, that means Bruce Wayne's going to a department of Wayne Industries. And he's, I don't know, being like, hey, guys, I've got this idea for a project, Project Sonar. <laughs> Let's do it. I've got a project manager in here to do it for me. We're going to raise tickets on the IT system, so track it as it goes through, and eventually we're going to launch some sort of... No, that's... No, I don't get it.
1: Yeah. If, yeah. if
0: he had, like, a Felicity or a Cisco, yes, someone who could sit there and go, tap 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 Hey, I've made Sonar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I just... I I had a hard time with that, and I mm. also had a hard time with... Okay, Batman's superpowers are money, right? I mean, he's wealthy, and and he can do this. I mean, he's just a regular human. He doesn't actually have superpowers. He's a trained ninja. (laughs) Yes, he's a trained ninja, so he can fight well, but, I mean, he... Take away the suit
0: from Iron Man. He's a Playboy billionaire. Take away the suit from Batman. He can still have him.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but how... How is this human man strong enough to bend the barrel of a rifle with one hand?
0: Uh, That's another gadget because he has a pistony thing in his hand because that's how he then cuts into the uh, the van when he jumps on it as he grabs the gun. I thought he cut
1: into the van with the things on his Uh, gauntlets.
0: No, so he's got this. uh, When I think when he bends the barrel and he releases it, he's got this. I say pistony thing in his hand. Okay, basically having a sort of servo strength.
1: So it it was intended to be his suit is helping him do this, and he wasn't doing it with his own strength. Yeah. Okay, I just missed that because I was like, how does Batman have the strength to do that? Because, (laughs) no. Okay. All right. So then I I will just go back to my disbelief over the technology stuff.
0: Yeah, I'd love to have worked on that project. Project Sonar Wayne Industries.
1: (laughs) And you've got someone doing it in...
0: You know, quality assurance testing. You've got some user acceptance testing going on in there.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Wayne,
0: Mr. Wayne, I need to raise a new ticket because the (laughs) UI is not quite working as I expected it to. See these pixels? We need to move them over a bit. (laughs) Can you tell I spend most of my time working on projects at
1: the moment? (laughs) Just a little bit. Just a little bit.
0: (laughs) But one of the great things about this film uh, there's, there's, a, there's a a lot in there It's like we say It's very dense There's a lot of A lot of characters There's a lot of bad guys There's a lot of moralizing And, and decisions going on It's really funny I think Okay Mandy <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: Oh I was expecting you to be like Yes I kept laughing No I'm actually sitting try here funny.
1: Trying to think of, of Lines that made me laugh And I'm drawing a blank So you're going to have to Like say some of the funny lines So that I laugh Okay
0: Particularly the first half of the film. I think it, it's quite weighted towards that. Most, any scene that has Lucius Fox, Morgan Freeman in it, is really funny. Where he, he goes to him, he says, oh, I need to talk to you about the suit. I need a new suit. Yeah, three buttons is a little 90s, Mr. Wayne. I'm not talking about fashion,
1: Mr. Fox, so much as function. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's
0: so cool.
1: Um, I love Morgan Freeman.
0: Uh, the, the bit of, Perhaps you should read the instructions first (laughs) when he fires the ninja stars off his gauntlet.
1: You'll be lighter, faster, more agile. Perhaps you should read the instructions first. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, yeah. That was absolutely hilarious. Morgan Freeman has this ability to do deadpan Mm. in just the way that just makes you crack up. Yeah. You know, because he's looking at him, and he's like, you know, but he's got that twinkle in his eye while he's being all serious and deadpan. It's great. I love him.
0: But the the bit that always stands out for me, that's yeah, that's really funny. Uh, when they're shutting everything down, he's going to come out as Batman and say, "I am the Batman." And he's talking to Alfred, and <laughs> Alfred, says, "I suppose I suppose you are going to lock me up as well,
1: but your accomplice, accomplice, I'm going to tell them the whole thing was your idea." <laughs> <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. I kind of forgot about those moments, mm. but you're right. I did. I laughed at all of them. It it did have some really well written humor in the places that you kind of needed humor.
0: Yeah, and yeah, it's just uh, there's a lot that the Joker does that is funny, but it's funny because it's so dark. When he talks about he's burning all the money, he says, oh, I'm, only my <sighs> money. "I'm only burning my half I'm only burning my half." It's <laughs> funny, but oh crumbs. <laughs> but actually they do a lot of this interesting sort of you know, male bonding friendship thing, and particularly between Alfred and and Bruce Wayne, you really get the impression they are good friends and they, they've been together a long time.
1: Yeah. I think um he also had a line about how he couldn't wait for the the manor to be rebuilt. Yeah. Because he yeah. was he was complaining about I don't know, one of the, the secret entrances, I think, because it it was like in a storage <laughs> container. And he wanted, you know, to be more fancy and classy. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a funny movie.
0: Uh, what were the elements of the film that stood out to you that are interesting things to take away from it?
1: Uh, well, we already talked a lot about Harvey Dent, because I had a lot of opinions mm. about him.
0: <laughs> With his nice, uh, floppy, blondie-brown... <laughs> Look how handsome I am here.
1: Yes. Oh, oh. but the other thing about Harvey Dent that I forgot I wanted to talk about that I had a real problem with, the CGI for Two-Face did not work for me. And that's not really entirely accurate. It's not necessarily the CGI because, I mean, it looked good. Mm. I mean, if half a face can look good. You you know what I mean. (laughs) But, okay. I almost
0: did a Deadpool line there. I'm not going to. That would be wrong. (laughs)
1: He, okay, if you ever get punched in the face and, like, your lip swells up mm-hmm. or you have, like, a cold sore or something is wrong with your lips, you cannot talk correctly. Yeah. You cannot articulate words correctly. So, when half your face is gone and half <laughs> your lips aren't there, you shouldn't be able to talk. Yeah. Or at least you shouldn't be able to articulately talk. People should be, what? What'd you say? Huh?
0: guy keeps mumbling and spitting guys it's weird
1: yeah um and and so i it's way too far i had a little bit of a problem with that um and also Mm. it's completely unrealistic that he would even be able to put clothes on and walk around and talk like no i'm sorry (laughs) it's pretty shocking that he's even alive with those injuries let alone walking around as if he's in no pain and still talking coherently. So yeah, I, I had some issues with that too.
0: Yeah, as, as much as I can say, reality is no defence for fiction. He says the word chances a lot. I don't know how you'd say that if like your cheeks missing and all the muscles of your face <laughs> are showing. Like, that would come out really strangely with some whistling and. Right. <laughs> like, this film's cellar-based physics.
1: Yeah, he he yeah. calls himself Two Face. How do you say a word that starts with an F when you don't have <laughs> yeah, some sort lips? Of fricative sense. <laughs> like no. Mm. So and, and like his hair part was like just so perfect. Like literally, <laughs> the hair that was missing was just missing, and the hair that was still there was perfect. Wasn't singed or anything. It was just a perfect straight line down his head.
0: And That guy uses pro- product. You know, <laughs> as soon as any flame go- goes near that, that's going. <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely you you're you're absolutely right um so yeah i I really really like Aaron Eckhart a lot uh and he was mm. perfect to play this part yes they just they just needed to do a little bit better by the character i think it it's not necessarily his performance, it's the production of the performance and how they yeah. did the special effects because essentially you know. His half of his face was basically a green screen and they replaced it. You know, he was wearing the green thing mm. with the little motion things. And he just talked because that's what actors do. And in post-production, they should have edited that so that it sounded different and they just didn't. Mm. So that's a failing on the production of the film, not the performance of the film.
0: Yeah, the, the performance is really, really good. Uh, and particularly when he's given stuff to do, that courtroom scene where he's taking apart the mob enforcer informant whatever the guy is mm-hmm. and then has to punch him and he has a few witty lines about playing golf and so on he's really really good and the dinner scene when they're sat there he's really really good mm-hmm. but like you say there's not enough of that it's all oh harvey dent the scourge of the underworld and bruce wayne's saying he'll throw him a fundraiser so and his friends will mean he'll never have to raise a cent again
1: right but he didn't Okay, well here's here's another issue I have. Bruce Wayne decided he was going to 100% back Harvey Dent like 5 seconds after he met him. Mm. Like he doesn't know this guy?
0: They they did say he'd been investigating him and and the the suspicion on Alfred was are you are you doing that because of the company he keeps and talking about oh. Rachel. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but still. Still. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, I I totally get investigating him because he's dating Rachel. But deciding immediately after you've met him that, oh, I'm just going to back him and he's going to be the face of Gotham and he's going to save the city and blah, blah, blah.
0: In Batman Begins, there is that great point of uh, Rachel saying to Bruce Wayne.
1: It's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you.
0: Although we're not leaning on that in this film, he's using that as his thing. He's researched Harvey Dent. He understands what he does, his background, his ethos on this. It's almost, he doesn't need to meet him to know whether he's worth backing, but he believes he is. And then he's also saying, this is someone who could clean up the city legitimately without wearing a mask. And that would allow me to stop being Batman and go on a nice cruise with Maggie Gyllenhaal.
1: Okay. So I have, I have two thoughts about this and they're kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum. One Mm. is... I feel like, as the audience, we have to work way too hard to get there. Because they're not showing us these character traits of Harvey's. They're telling us that Batman's investigated him, and Batman endorses him. Therefore, we should like him, too. Yeah. But they're not really telling us why. And, and so trying to make that leap is is the problem that I have with Harvey Dent's character. Mm. The second thing is, is Bruce Wayne's kind of a dick. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's endorsing harvey dent so that harvey dent can be the hero so he doesn't have to be the hero so he can still harvey dent's girlfriend
0: yep so it was his girl first
1: okay is that how human relationships work finders keep oh god finders keepers from batman begins
0: <laughs>
1: really? um really is what that batman begins yeah the whole beginning of batman begins with the arrowhead Oh okay, yes it is. She ends up giving back to him at the end when he comes back to town and she says, Finders No, but he, keepers too.
0: he might view it as she made this promise to me that one day if he never needs Batman, she'll be there for him."
1: Right, but your argument was that she was his girlfriend first. Well, okay. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. No. <laughs> Finders keepers doesn't work with people.
0: No, but she does make I sure at the end of Batman begins she makes a promise to him. She does. Yeah. And he's, he's hoping to go for that promise. I think he even talks about that's the promise that he wants to fulfill. And then she writes him a letter about how she's not going to do that. And then Alfred burns it for reasons. Not good reasons. Right. There are no reasons. That but... should that letter should not have been burned.
1: Oh, no. I'm glad Alfred burned it. Absolutely. Really? Yes. Because okay, what? Well, I still haven't finished my first thought. And now you're taking me to a second thought. Okay. <laughs> first thought is I understand Rachel made him a promise and he is hoping that he can do the things necessary in order for her to fulfill that promise. But in this movie, she is not free to fulfill that promise because she is with someone else. And so, for Batman to be manipulating the situation for his gain makes him a dick. I'm sorry. There's no other possible interpretation for that. And if you have one, you're just wrong. Okay. So. Okay. I feel very very strongly I about my that. Comments
0: about justice and getting rid of crime.
1: My thought about Rachel and the letter and Alfred is Alfred burned the letter so that Bruce could live his life believing a beautiful lie. And I'm okay with that Hmm. because Bruce has been through enough and it would have just, I mean, she's dead. There is no good reason for him to know that she picked Harvey. Harvey's dead. She's dead. He doesn't need to know that. He can enjoy this beautiful lie and move on with his life. And I support that wholeheartedly. Okay. So those are my thoughts. Okay. Sorry, I'm so emphatic about it.
0: (laughs) I don't think the letter needs burning. I think the letter, uh, don't give it to him. But at some point, yeah, anyway,
1: (laughs) I think he should have kept the letter. Okay. Okay. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do have a question for you though. Um, mm-hmm. Rachel died in this movie, mm. and I don't think I'm ever gonna forgive Christopher Nolan for that. <laughs> and I I made that comment to to Joshua Unruh. He was he was the one who was on the Batman Year One episode with me, and we mm. I had some questions for him about it because I wanted to know if Rachel was a character from the comic books. And she died in the comics, which is why she died in these movies. Or if Christopher Nolan invented her. And she was invented Mm -hmm. for the movie. And Mm -hmm. because there was no good reason for her to die, (laughs) I'm never going to forgive Christopher Nolan for killing her. I mean, that was unexpected and awful. Yeah. And so Joshua asked me if the reason I was so upset about it was because she was fridged. And I hadn't even really given any thought to that. Hmm. But when I sat down to think about it, I realized that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to see what your thoughts were about that.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely she is. She is killed to motivate other characters, other male characters. Her fiancé and Alfred to lie and Bruce Wayne to go off broody and grumpy and what sort of people. Sitting in his penthouse in the Batman costume. (laughs) I'm not sure you do that. (laughs) Don't think that's a thing you do.
1: Yeah, I think I probably laughed in that scene when I wasn't supposed yeah. to.
0: <laughs> no, I, I absolutely do think she's finished. I completely get it. I love, talked a little bit about the morality and the philosophy that the Joker brings to it. The idea that he makes them make a choice over which one to get to first. The choice is made, but because he's flipped them around, they then need to live with both the choice they made and the fact that the person they wanted to save is not alive and the person they cared less about is alive like forcing them to live with choices right. they make and the values they place on things. So I like I like it in those terms, but yeah, she doesn't necessarily need to have been killed and killing her is exactly what they do in a lot of comics and a lot of stories that have issues with boys and their fathers. Right. Mm.
1: I I was very disappointed that she died. Mm. Um, I, I don't think it was necessary at all. I think this... Well, I guess it... <sighs> Harvey Dent wouldn't have become Two Face if she hadn't died. So I guess, you know, that's the whole the whole fridging thing. And I'm I'm sure they could have come up with another way for that to have happened without her dying. I just don't know what it is right this minute. Um, But I do want to say I was a little bit confused by the choice, and it may just be that Bruce Wayne is a really good actor, because. I was under the impression of of what you just said is that he was actually choosing Rachel Mm -hmm. and he went to where the Joker said Rachel was going to be and it wasn't actually Rachel it was Harvey Dent. Yeah. But rather than being upset he immediately starts saving Harvey and Harvey is like no 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 why are you here why didn't you go save Rachel and Batman has a really good answer. The Joker chose me because you were the best of us. He wanted to prove even someone as good as you could fall. Like, he didn't hesitate. And so I got confused in that moment about what they were actually trying to do.
0: No, I think it is definitely that he goes to save Rachel. But as soon as he goes through, he realizes he, she's not there. He still has someone he can save. He still has a thing he can do.
1: It was just weird to me that he had an answer so readily for why he saved Harvey instead of Rachel. I mean, I was actually I was expecting him to say, I thought I was saving Rachel, this is where he told me she was, to let the other guy know that they both wanted the same thing, but he didn't. He readily had an answer available for why he picked Harvey, even though he didn't pick Harvey. And so I I was just confused by that. I didn't really understand what we were supposed to be getting from that. Yeah. So I think it's time to move on from Harvey Dent and Rachel and talk about my favorite character in the movie. And you know how I emphasized my, right? Because this is totally (laughs) all about me. We haven't really talked about the Joker and we always kind of end talking about our favorite bits of the movie. And and so I think this is a really good point to segue into that segment because basically everything Heath Ledger did on the screen is my favorite.
0: Yeah, he gives a wonderful (laughs) performance in this.
1: I was actually a little surprised because my expectations were that Heath Ledger had a much larger role in this movie than he did. I thought he was supposed to be the 100% absolute big bad of the movie, and he, he wasn't. I, I don't think there was actually one 100% big bad of the movie, but he's not the final villain of the movie. And so I was a little surprised by that. But it didn't really matter, because watching him on the screen was just phenomenal. He he was not Heath Ledger on that screen. I mean, his voice was different. He had that that like facial tick with his tongue where he kept like sticking his tongue out and licking his lips. Mm. The way he used his hands, the way that he laughed, the way that he walked. Like nothing about that character was Heath Ledger. He just completely embodied the Joker and it's been a very long time since I've seen a performance that good. And it was just impressive.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely worthy of all the awards he won for it.
1: Yeah, mm. I think I read that he, he posthumously won 32 awards for playing this role.
0: Yeah, basically all the major supporting actor awards, he got them. Yeah,
1: yeah. absolutely everything. And he earned it. Uh, one cool thing that I did read was that Heath actually designed the makeup that he wore as the Joker himself. Mm. Um, His reasoning being that the Joker would have applied the makeup himself. And so he should have been able to do the same thing. And so once he'd figured out what it was going to look like, the makeup team actually had to replicate it um, every time they they did it. I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. I think the stories of him going away to a hotel and working out the laugh and the the postures and the ticks, like you say, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing, and then coming back with it all.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is like method acting to the extreme, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have read the stories that that some people think it's possible that may have contributed to his death. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true. If it is, that's heartbreaking. But it was a hell of a performance.
0: Pe- people like a story. They like to yeah. assign narrative things to this. He was he was a very good actor who delivered a wonderful role. And like other actors have sadly happened, accidental overdose, issues with the drugs he was taking. Yeah. Mm.
1: Now, I do have a question for you about the Joker. Actually, I have two, Mm. um, because my only experience with the Joker is this movie. Like, my only Mm. actual experience with the Joker is this movie. One, does he have a name other than the Joker? No. Ever, or just in this movie?
0: One of the great bits of this movie is that he seems to come up with different stories about the scars and about his background. Um, And that's one of the terrific things about the way the Joker is always told. His backstory is not really important. And and giving him different backstories is always an interesting thing to do. Um, A lot of this is based on, I made a reference earlier to uh, someone having just one bad day. And that's that's actually a line from a famous Batman story called The Killing Joke. And in that he appears to present a backstory of of his past and how he, he came to be, how he was. It's not necessarily canonical, it's not the definite thing. But that is very much the book from the Joker's point of view at times. Finding out about his history, seeing what happened to him. Um, And then eventually him giving this long speech about everyone is going to be like him if they have just one bad day. And he he chooses in that one to do it to Commissioner Gordon. But it's a a little bit of some of the the idea they took for this of how far can we push people to show just how terrible they are. In the first Batman movie, the, the first Michael Keaton, Tim Burton movie. Uh, he's given the backstory that he's the person who kills. Spoilers for that film from 1989. Um, he's the person who kills Martha and Thomas Wayne. Oh, and then so okay. he he created Batman, and Batman then creates him by stopping a robbery, at Ace Chemicals, and dropping him in a vat of chemicals. So they're you know, two sides of the same coin type idea. I, I like the idea of it, but it's a little far. It's just a, a world that can create someone striving for justice through vigilantism can also create someone striving for chaos through largely some of the same sort of methods.
1: Okay. Mm. Yeah. So, well, my other thing, you know, I said I had two things that the other Mm. one was actually, I wanted to know if there was a backstory for the Joker because he, every time he said, do you want to know how I got my scars? He told a different story. And Mm. I was curious if any of them were real and, you kind of answered that for me, so great.
0: No, but of course one is about his father. <laughs> I of occasionally course. make digs about these because daddy issues are the go-to things for how people write generally men in stories. <laughs>
1: it's, okay.
0: Particularly in superhero stories, it's really dull.
1: Yeah. So Matthew, what are your favourite moments from this movie?
0: If we're talking characters, I'm going to rhapsodise about Maggie Gyllenhaal. Because she is just superb. She She's a fantastic actress in and of herself. Everything she does is really, really good. I talked at the beginning about how there's a lot of comparisons with this film. You compare her to Katie Holmes. She is just a superb Rachel. She is her own character. She has friends and things going on. She doesn't take anything from anyone. She's not necessarily she is a bit damseled but she's not necessarily damseled in, in the way you might have where, where we saw with like margot kidder back in superman but she's just such a great presence on screen and everything she does is actually standing up and facing things with people and making comments about what's going on and, and forcing them to discuss some of the decisions they're making about harvey turning himself in about what happens about f- trying to force him to do things right where he's not goofing off but turning up late to the courtroom and then uh, exchanging barbs with Maroni.
1: Right. I I actually really liked Katie Holmes and Batman Begins. Mm. But I loved Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Like, it, it's one of those things where I I think I made the comment to somebody I thought I liked Katie Holmes until I saw Maggie Gyllenhaal. Right. You know. I mean, Katie Holmes was a perfectly respectable Rachel. She came in, she did her job. It was it was good. Yeah. But then you just you can't take your eyes off of Maggie when she's on the screen. Hmm. She just had a presence about her, and and I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah,
0: and that's her as an actress. Every film she's in, she is not a shrinking violent or a background character. Absolutely. There's a well, there's a number of films she's in that are truly terrific. One of Stranger which is Stranger Than
1: Fiction would be my favorite. Stranger
0: Than Fiction's in there. She's her brother's sister in um, Donnie Darko, which we will watch at some point. So I'm looking forward to that. She gives a pretty good tour de force in Secretary. But she's in a film called Hysteria,
1: Okay.
0: which is really, really—it's very funny uh, in in just some appropriate, some inappropriate ways. It, it's uh, that's a film I would recommend going and watching.
1: Okay, not is necessarily it a, one a for this. A list-worthy list because, film? Okay.
0: Yeah, okay. it's it's not a, a, a you know significant pop culture film, but I really really enjoyed it. Hugh Dancy, isn't it? If you like Hugh Dancy stuff. Okay. Who is one of the people who was considered to be Batman?
1: <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
0: I've mentioned the humour as being a favourite thing. There's some great lines in this. Um, The one I didn't mention earlier, because I only wanted to mention it here, is when you see the other Batman, Mm. Batmans, and they they say, and there's actually a couple of little lines in the single story. He says, I don't need help. And the scarecrow goes, that's not my diagnosis. (laughs) And then fake Batman goes, well, what's the difference between you and me? I'm not wearing hockey pads. (laughs) (laughs) It's so ridiculous. It's oh, but
1: your, your your Batman impression is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay.
0: Yeah. I, I I it's always a great moment and <laughs> it is one that I will trot out as a, a Batman impression. I'm not wearing
1: hockey pants.
0: Okay, thanks Batman.
1: Was that's it hockey good. pads or hockey pants?
0: What are hockey pants?
1: I guess I, I don't know. <laughs> pants you wear while you play hockey.
0: <laughs> hockey pads. Because that's that's the, pads, the okay. suit thing that they're wearing. So
1: yeah. Okay. Um, but... I don't do sports. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the difference.
0: What am hockey? How does Pat?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Mo- moving right along from my. However, the,
0: the the number one best moment of this film, absolutely terrific, the pencil trick, Joker do you want to see a magic trick? I'll make this. this and he slams the guy, it's gone. And that of most films, we talked in Pulp Fiction, there's lines that I use fairly often. That is a line we use quite often, either as a, do you want to see a magic trick? Or it's gone. <laughs> and it's so good. There was a really good video essay on the, the, creation of that whole scene and how different characters come from different angles and the way it's shot, which is really interesting. But that bit, because it's all one seamless take, as the guy, he slams down, as he steps around towards the Joker, the guy actually moves the pencil with his hand and then gets slammed down on the table. I, I'd never noticed it until I watched this thing of how it's done. It's so effective.
1: Okay. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. we we talked about a lot of stuff. Is there, is there anything that we haven't touched on that we need to talk about with this movie?
0: With this me, movie, I don't think so. Um, I think we've gone into a lot. And, and I think it's probably worth saying that there's a lot that I'll complain about and, and we'll both say about it goes on too long, there's a bit too much going on, there's stuff you could take out or change. This is a great film. This is one of the, the truly great superhero action dramas, if not a film on its own outside of genre. I love seeing a different take on the character. I love seeing someone try to do something a bit different whether or not it always lands as well. Give me a new story. Give me an original take.
1: I think this is a better Batman movie than Batman Returns was. I I think Christian Bale's Batman is a better Batman than Michael Keaton was. And and so for me, (laughs) I feel like that, I mean, that's why I I think they're good movies. Batman Begins was exceptional. Mm. The Dark Knight was really good. And I really like Christian Bale's Batman.
0: The, the Dark Knight, like we were saying for Batman Returns, the Dark Knight is really good because of Heath Ledger. With a, a lesser actor or a lesser performance there, it's it wouldn't be considered the tour de force or the great film that it is. But that lends so much to it. The writing is impeccable. The The moralising, the choice he makes, the, the bit with the boats at the end. And that if the choice had gone the way it appears to, the prisoners get rid of their detonator and the in inverted commas normal people blow up the prisoners and then everyone has to live with the fact that nice non-criminals have just killed a boatload of people right Like that's a really, if it had worked out the way the joker expected to it would have gone a really nice way oh no not nice way it would have gone a really interesting way right yes
1: can i make kind of maybe a controversial statement of opinion hmm? i've already made it perfectly clear that i love heath ledger's performance in this movie and i think he's fantastic I do not believe that had Heath Ledger not died, that this movie would have been elevated as high as it was. Hmm.
0: Let's put this in the context of other films. Okay. So the the big accolade for him was winning the Oscar posthumously, but uh, that allows us some comparison with the other people nominated that year. Josh Brolin for Milk. Philip Seymour Hoffman for Doubt, Michael Shannon for Revolutionary Road, and Robert Downey Jr. for Tropic Thunder.
1: I have seen none of those movies, but holy crap, Tropic <laughs> Thunder? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I, I am not disputing the fact that his performance was amazing and that he, specifically Heath Ledger, didn't deserve those awards, because he did. I mean, his portrayal of the Joker was fantastic, but his portrayal of the Joker was a very small piece of this movie as a whole Mm -hmm. that's that's really what I'm saying the movie as a whole I don't think would have been as critically acclaimed as it was had Heath Ledger not died Heath Ledger's performance was amazing Heath Ledger died therefore his performance became the focal point of the movie that's what I'm saying
0: if he had still been alive he still would have won every award for supporting actor
1: Yes, okay. because his character deserved it. But the movie itself, I think, doesn't deserve quite all of the hype that it got. Mm-hmm. I think Heath Ledger elevated the movie even more so because he died.
0: Right. I, I would put those the other way around. I think if it would still been alive, it would have been rhapsodizing about his performance still. But in interviews, in accolades, him going on to give even grander performances or people casting him in in interesting roles and expecting more from him, I'm not sure he would have won all the awards.
1: Okay.
0: uh, And that was the point of, for for me, going to that list is thinking, is there anyone else there who would have elevated in the same way? And and certainly when I look at Philip Seymour Hoffman, who no one else is on screen when he's acting. (laughs) He's the only one in the room doing anything. He's just, every performance he gives is even better. But I think we would have had had a lot more of interviewing with Heath Ledger, talking about the performance, the background of it, uh, more in-depth things. But because there's this, oh, it's reminded me of James Dean, there's this mythos around it and people talking about the things they heard about him and what he clearly brought to it and did with it.
1: Okay, that's fair.
0: But the point I wanted to make there was just that as critical as I am looking into it, and there are things I watch and I go, Oh no, that wouldn't happen. I don't agree with that. That's a bit weird. Uh, it is still a, a terrific film, one that I enjoy very much. And I think, I as you think said, up top, yeah, you enjoyed it too.
1: Yeah, and I, I would absolutely watch it again.
0: <laughs> well, would you watch the third one in the series?
1: Absolutely. Like I said, I really like Christian as Batman. So okay. I, yeah.
0: I, I was worried some of the comments about it put you off. No. Good.
1: No, I, I definitely want to see. And I, I'm curious about how he comes back as Batman. Mm-hmm. I, I want to I I know what happens. I want to okay. know how – I and I really want to know who Bane is because I just don't know. And I like that's not even a character I'd ever heard of Right. Um, before this movie came out. So I don't know if he's made up for the movie or if he is in the comic mythology or not. But okay. I want to know.
0: Okay. We're going to keep that one on the list then, and we're going to discuss it when we get there. I'm definitely trying not to say anything about it because I don't want okay. to change any expectations. But...
1: All right. <laughs>
0: it's a Batman well, film. Okay. I really want to sit here and discuss a Batman film.
1: <laughs> we will. You know, we'll, we'll yeah. put a little distance between this one and that one, but we will yes. do it. There's another movie that I'm interested in seeing, and I want to know if you think I should see it or not. Mm. Should I see Suicide Squad?
0: Yes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Yes. I enjoyed it at the cinema. I enjoyed it less when I watched it on TV. It's a really good popcorn movie. It's it's up there with anything of the Fast and the Furious. It's that kind of just romp.
1: Okay. Now it's not in the same universe as Christopher Nolan, is it? In this right? I'm I'm not wrong in that, right? Yeah.
0: It's, it's not it's, the same. In... I mean,
1: it's it's a different universe of. Gotham yeah. City. It's the
0: the new. DC extended universe, expanded so universe. DC, is it
1: the same world universe. as Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman?
0: Yes. The Those two are in the same? Yep. Yeah, Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Justice League. I think I've got that order right. Maybe okay. Suicide Squad and Batman versus Superman are the other way around, but I don't think so.
1: No, Batman versus Superman was first.
0: Okay. Yeah, so yes, it's in, in that universe, um, which, and, and this is the, the next question then, are, are we building up to continuing this and you getting to see Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman in time for Wonder Woman and then Justice League?
1: Um, If I need to see Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman in order to watch Wonder Woman, then yes.
0: I don't think you do. And I suspect, actually, you will do better watching Wonder Woman first. Okay. I think they've spoiled some of, some of Wonder Woman in Batman vs. Superman. Okay. Which is a um, new way to go. Congratulations, DC. You're spoiling your own films a year early.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Wonder Woman is a prequel to the Wonder Woman in Batman vs. Superman, right? Because Wonder Woman is kind of her origin story and takes place during World War Two ish right?
0: I haven't seen it, so I don't know.
1: <laughs> but you've seen the trailers. Nope. Oh, okay. No. So you really don't know. Nope. Okay. Right. And there was new well, TV
0: stuff released yesterday. Everyone keeps going, oh, it looks great. It looks so good. I'm pleased <laughs> to hear that. I just want to see the film.
1: Soon. It will yeah. come out soon. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it sounds like there's going to be some more DC on our schedule.
0: Yeah. All right. Heck <laughs> yeah.
1: Matthew's not excited about that at all, you guys. No. <laughs> All right. Well, before we completely wrap up this episode, we do want to give a shout out to some listener feedback on uh, some previous episodes. We got so much feedback on the Monty Python episode, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people have a lot of opinions about that movie and particularly kind of about our opinions on that movie. Because so it's I just to- <laughs> <laughs> Worse than Clerks. Um, so I just I just wanted to highlight a few of them. The, these are not all of them. Um, we'll probably you know in a week or two have a few more. But here are a few. Uh, Alan Alström at Chipper Allen on Twitter said that he could not stop laughing at Matthew's summary of the Holy Grail because it's priceless and should be in a museum. <laughs> Matthew, Presumably that's my background be in a on
0: what the Holy Grail is, <laughs> which is important to know. It's detailed information going into that film.
1: I'm glad I'm not the only one who was completely stupefied by that bit. Just I'm just saying. Uh, Brandon at shoe size thirty eight said, uh, "Thanks for ending my fairly grumpy day with some exceptional laughs." Hashtag love your show. Thank you, Brandon. And don't worry, we laughed our way through that recording too. So it's awesome. And Kimberly uh, at Mets Girl on Twitter said, "Because of PC deprived, I am introducing my children to Monty Python. They love it." And she thanks us for the inspiration. Nice. So that's really great, and I'm really, really glad that even though I didn't like the movie, you guys still laughed with us. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and and, and, and I appreciate it.
0: Kimberly, do let us know what your children thought when they watched it, and, and was it just that film, or any, any of the others? It'd be really interesting to hear what uh, the next generation are enjoying with it. <laughs>
1: Well, if you want to get in touch and give us your comments on this or any other movie we've discussed, you can use the hashtag PCDeprived on Twitter. You can also email us using podcast at eloquentgushing.com, or you can comment on this post on eloquentgushing.com. You can find each of us on Twitter. I'm at Mandy K.
0: And I'm at Matthew Vose. If you're an iOS iTunes user, please go um, and subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review if you enjoyed the show as well. If you didn't enjoy the show, let us know. We want to make it really good for you.
1: Absolutely. Uh, We'll be back next week with another episode of Pop Culturally Deprived, where we completely shift tonally and talk about Schindler's List. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay.
0: And I believe in Harvey Dent.
1: Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, visit eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.